0: From the Torch Studio in Houston, Texas, featuring leaders and personalities from Jewish communities around the globe, this is the Sunday special edition of the Jewish Inspiration Podcast with Rabbi Arya Woolley.
1: All right, welcome back everybody to a special Sunday edition of the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Our guest this week is none other than... Then Rabbi Chaim Kramer. Rabbi Chaim Kramer, welcome to Houston. How are you? How was your flight?
0: Baruch Hashem. We took off and we landed. I can't ask for more.
1: Baruch Hashem. We're thrilled that you're here. And we hope that through the time that we talk together, we'll have the opportunity to get to know you more and to be inspired. And uh, the goal of this whole podcast is to be inspired. So the, who, who, who else to inspire us than, than you? So if you, can, so if you can please just give me a little bit about your background where you grew up and, uh, you know, maybe the story of how you got to where you are today.
0: I was born August 6, 1945, the same day that the atom bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And my mother always said there were two bombs, one in Japan and one in Brooklyn. And hoz is still causing damage. But I'm here. Baruch Hashem.
1: Haidu Hashem.
0: I was in a regular modern orthodox yeshiva in Brooklyn called Yitzchayim on 13th Avenue in Borough Park. And my seventh grade rebbe was a Breslev a Rabbi Tzvi'ah in Rosenfeld. And I liked what I heard. And I stayed with Breslev since then. This is 1958. So I'm in Breslev over 60 years, Baruch Hashem. And uh, I grew with it. I studied it. I got married. I married my Rebbe, my Rebbe's daughter, Rabbi Rosenfeld's daughter. Uh, that was after I kind of grew up. And then uh, I'm an electrician by trade. I learned to be an electrician. I had my own business in Brooklyn. I moved to Harris, Israel in 1975 as an electrician. In 1976, I was invited to teach in Yeshiva Devar Yerushalayim, which is a Baal Shuvah Yeshiva in Yerushalayim. And uh, I tried out, and after two weeks the Rosh Yeshiva asked me to take on a full-time position which was very enheartening. Uh, because I didn't know I had a language, a common language with a lot of boys who came from different backgrounds. I learned more from them than they may have learned from me. Incredible people who came seeking Hashem. Anyway, I would occasionally mention something from Rabbi Nachman, and they said to me, I heard of Rabbi Nachman, but I have no access to what he says, because everything was in Hebrew. There was one book at the time, Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom, translated by Rabbi Arya Kaplan. And that was it. That was available in English. So in 1979, we founded Breslev Research Institute with the intention of translating, say, 10 books of Rabbi Nachman, the 10 major books, and that was it. But people kept asking, does Rabbi Nachman speak about this subject, or that subject, or other subjects, whatever? And I said, yes, so why don't you make a book? So that's how the rest of the research became. We have over 80 different titles, and everything we have in English, we have in Spanish. We have quite a few books in French and in Russian, and, of course, in modern Hebrew. Because the average Israeli does not read the Hebrew from the Svarim. So we have Bo Hashem. We've been able to spread Rabbi Nachman's teachings throughout the world. We have people all over the globe. Aside from here in the States and Canada, we were in Mexico, we were in Argentina, Uruguay, Chile... We were in South America, South Africa, Australia. We have people. I was in Europe in several places. And Baruch Hashem, so I had a very interesting life. And if you get into Breslev, it's like the U.S. Army advertises: join the army and see the world. Not just to see the world, but to see the world what it's really like. The world fools you. The world is crazy. The world is obnoxious. The world is wonderful. But you have to see it. And that's what Rabbi Nachman does to you.
1: Okay? Amazing. So what can you tell me about how you grew up? So you grew up as a, as a, you say, in a modern Orthodox uh, school. Uh, in- yeah.
0: We played baseball, basketball. We swam. We played tennis. We played football. Did all the things that an American uh, boy does. All right? But, thank God when I was 12 and change, I was introduced to Breslov and I started studying Rabbi Nachbar. I still played ball. I still swam. But, uh, we realized there's another side to life. And as we grew, we realized it more and more.
1: So, you, your family was not not connected to Hasidus, were there? No. So, w- what is someone who grows up as a regular frum boy, Shomer Shabbos? Okay, we can learn Gemara and we can learn Mishnah and we can learn Halacha and we can learn Musar and we can learn everything else. What was the attraction that you felt was being offered in Hasidus, the, uh, particularly Breslov, that wasn't being offered in the regular traditional Jewish life?
0: Rebbe Nachman gave us a spirit, a reason to live, a reason to do the mitzvahs, a reason to keep Shabbos, a reason to learn Torah, a reason to daven. He simply gave it to us. I mean, it's in his books. He gave us a spirit. Halacha, the uh, code of Jewish law, is a Body of Torah, it tells you this is what you do X, Y, and Z. Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nosson and the Kutei they tell you why. They give you the feeling, the spirit of what Rabbi Nachman is all about, of what life is all about, of what Judaism is all about. I'll give you an example. Shacharurik starts off. You should strengthen yourself like a lion. Strengthen yourself like a lion. That you get up in the morning, you are awakening the morning. Okay? Simple shokhanar. That means, get your, whatever you call it, out of bed, and get dressed, and go do your Devotions and services, whatever you gotta do. Rabnosan says this applies to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What does it say? Shachar is like from the word shachar, black, darkness, right? Every person has their wonderful illuminating moments and every person has their dark depressing moments. right? Rabbi Nelson says you need the strength of a lion in order to be able to awaken that blackness in your life, enliven it, and make it work. How to bring joy into your life. How to bring life into your life. That's what he says. Awaken. So now, awaken in the morning is not just awaken in the morning. It's awakened every single second of the day. You're aware of what's going on around you. Yeah, there are plenty of depressing moments. There are plenty of horrifying moments. But there really are plenty of wonderful, joyful moments. You have to be on the lookout for it, and you will find it. And you will be happy your whole life.
1: Amazing. So rumor has it that you once learned in the mere yeshiva.
0: Yeah. True,
1: so, and then uh, and then you left the yeshiva. I, I
0: learned Mir Yeshiva
1: in, in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn. Okay,
0: I graduated high school, and then I went to the mirror in Yerushalayim. Lazy Yidl Finkel was then the Rosh Yeshiva, the old Rosh Yeshiva. And uh, I was there for quite a few weeks, and one Friday night, I decided to daven in Breslov. And I came back from Breslav to the yeshiva to eat and go to sleep and do my Shabbos, whatever I have to do. The Mashkiach was waiting for me. I'm not going to say his name. And he said, you went to Breslav? Yes. Get out. Get out of the yeshiva. We don't want Breslava here. That was the mirror Yeshiva. This was 1963 in the summer. Right? They had something against Breslov, So I left. He said, if it wasn't Shabbos, I'd throw you out now, but you can stay here until after Shabbos. After Shabbos, I left. So that's the rumor. It's not a rumor. It's true.
1: And where'd you, you go? And would you go from there?
0: To Breslav Yeshiva and Yerushalayim. And I was there for over a year. I met all the elders of the community at that time. And uh, it still is embedded in my mind the kind of giants among giants they were. So uh, I'm happy. I'm happy it worked out that way.
1: Wow. That's incredible. I, I don't know that they would say the same thing today. In the No, mirror. no. I think they're much more.
0: fee. Uh, no who passed away recently, you know, a few years ago, whatever. One of my Talmidim in Breslev he used to come to me for Shambosim and whatnot. He wanted to go to Uman Rosh Hashanah. The Mashkiach told him, if you go to Uman Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to ruin your name and uh, i going to ruin any shidduch that you go for. He said it to him, I'm going to ruin everything for you. He asked me about it. What do I do? I said, "Go to Rabinosin Svi." And he went to Rabinosin Svi. Rabinosin Svi said, "Daven
1: for me too." And he gave him a kvittel. Wow! Wow!
0: Right? They wouldn't say it now.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So, what was the real turning point where you decided that you're no longer going to continue your career as an electrician and? That's it. You're committed to publishing with When Bresler. I
0: started teaching Balei I say I was exposed to a world. I had met non from people, of course, you know, in business and whatnot. But uh, when I started meeting the boys in Vayu I was actually blown away. Totally blown away. Some of the backgrounds that these people had Right, where they came from, and what they did. And now they're studying, they're learning. It was a whole area of Judaism that I was not really exposed to. I had met um, from people, I probably true a few here and there. But being exposed to these boys taught me my life's lesson, taught me that every one of them was very precious. Every one of them was a committed Jew, Every one of them was someone who wanted Hashem. He wanted to serve Hashem, but they knew nothing about it. And it let me know what's happening in the world. It taught me a lot. And That's when, as they told me, I heard of Rabbi Nachman. I said, well, I know Rabbi Nachman will help them all. So that's when we began. I began the institute in 1979.
1: So is, is part of your mission to reach Jews who are unaffiliated to connect with Reb Nachman's Torah?
0: My mission, I don't know if that's what you want to call it, right? I I learned that there's Hashem in the world, and Hashem loves every Jew, Mamish. He loves every person, no matter who you are. And the question is, how could you come to love Hashem? And I know from Rabbi Nachman's teachings that they have no equal in Torah literature. And uh, you study it, you'll find out for yourself what Rabbi Nachman has to offer. So if you want to call it, my life's mission is to translate and publish Rabbi Nachman. Thank God I don't run the world. Thank God I'm not responsible for it. Thank God that I know that people want Hashem. Everyone talks about God somewhere, somehow. He's a very abstract concept, but He exists. He's there for you. You have to make the connection. And Rabbi Nachman teaches the best that uh, you can do it. I'll tell you a story. I was in Boca Raton, about 10 years ago, I guess, I was there for a Shabbos by one of the people who were helped by Rabbi Nachman. And uh, he invited six couples for Shabbos morning meal. Okay. We're sitting there. Remember, it's couples, men and women, who have no idea what breast lift is all about. And uh, we start the meal. We wash for moitzi. And... uh one of the guests was the assistant rabbi at that time from the Boker Raton synagogue. And he says to me, I can't take these breast liver guys who get up and go away from their wives for Rosh Hashanah, or leave them behind with the children. Right? Now, there are two ways to answer the person. One, I could smash him as much as he smashed me. Or I could explain it in such a way that all the couples there... Men and women understand why it's the right thing to do to go to Umin Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so that's what I chose to do. Took about 20 minutes, and I explained it clearly and uh, accepted it that I was right on that challenge, but then he threw another challenge out at me. And I don't remember the rest of the challenges. But same thing. You have to answer. And this went on for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. He challenged me about wrestling. And I said to him at the end, okay, two and a half hours enough. Now, uh, I'm going to throw a challenge out to you. Nobody else spoke to you at the other time. They were just listening back and forth, back and forth. So I said to him, I want you to take a half hour every day. Take any five Musa Svaram from the Vilna from the Tanya, Silas Isharam, Menorah Hamor, any kind of Musa Sefer that you can think of. Take five Svaram, and I want you to learn five minutes a day from those Svaram. And then I want you to take one breast of Sefer, one of Rabbi Nachman's teachings, and learn also five minutes a day. And I'm telling you, every Sefer ever written, from Odom HaRishon until today, screams out, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echod. Everyone says that Hashem is Echod. Everyone. There's no Sefer that doesn't say speak about that. At the end of a month, I want you to call and tell me which Sefer spoke out the loudest and the clearest of all svarim that Hashem echot. And I guarantee you, it'll be the breast of Sefer. Okay. That was my challenge to him. Interestingly, he was an honest person and a devoted person to Hashem. Three weeks later, I get a an email from my friend, my host. He says, it was Sunday. You remember that Litvak guy at the table that uh, spoke so harsh against Breslev and whatnot? I said, yeah. He says, well, yesterday at Shalashudis, third meal on Shabbos, he gave over a lesson from the Moharan, Rabbi Nachman's Magna Motus. A couple of weeks after that, I was in the States, he calls me up. He says, how do I register to come to Uman Rosh Hashanah? Wow. And this was uh, May, June, and he came. And he's been there other times since then. Right? He's a rabbi in a shul. He can't get away so fast, Rosh Hashanah. But uh, he came. He was an honest person. He looked at Rabbi Nachman's writings, and he uh, this is it there you go.
1: That's amazing. Amazing. So yeah. but, so I understand you're saying that it's more accessible, more understandable. Uh, it's a fresh approach that perhaps those others form don't have. But about the general Breslov Hasidus, I mean, there are about a thousand different Hasidic dynasties. You have Belz and you have Babov and you have Munkach and Satmar and Skver and, 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 and Gur and Chabad and you name it. There's so many different ones. I mean... Rachmastrifka and and Sans and Kloisenberg, you name it. There's there's another every village in in Europe, Europe has, had has, has, has 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 had the Rebbe. Okay, so how does how is Breslov distinguished? We're just uh, another question that I've been asked multiple times. And Breslov doesn't have a Rebbe. Breslev doesn't have a a Rebbe since uh, Reb Since I, I, Rabbi Nachman. Since Rabbi Nachman. I'm saying, but Reb was was sharing his the teachings of Rabbi Nachman. But that's it. There is nobody. So how does it survive, and what distinguishes it from the others?
0: Well, the fact that it's distinguished by we don't have a rebbe, we don't have a living rebbe.
1: One of the well, the, area, there's another Hasidus now that doesn't do that, right? Yeah,
0: there's, okay, but that's different. They, they learn from us. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but uh, that's because they had a tradition. There were going to be seven Lubavitch Rebbes. Mashiach has to come by the end of the 7th river. It didn't happen. So they whatever they're doing, I don't know. I'm not a Chabadnik. Thank God I don't have to answer for them. I learned a long time ago I don't have to rectify the world. So uh, it's okay for me to have questions too. Whatever the story is, uh, people wanted to make Reb Nosson a Rebbe. Reb Nosson was Rebbe Nachman's greatest talmud greatest student. And uh, Reb Nelson said, who could stand in the Rebbe's shoes? I mean, the Rebbe's teachings are eternal. Let's learn from them. And he began to expound on Rebbe Nachman's teachings. He has his own uh, magnum opus, L'Kut HaLachot, which is eight volumes, explaining the laws in Shulchan Aruch, uh, giving it life and spirit. But, uh, the rest of Hasidus survived without a Rebbe, which was one of the main reasons the other Hasidim used to laugh at us and used to persecute us because of uh, we don't have a Rebbe. How can you be a Hasidus without a Rebbe? Except that Rabbi Nachman, his teachings are so powerful, you don't need a Rebbe in the flesh. The advice is there. Of course, there are elders in every generation who have the tradition, more or less, of what Rabbi Nachman taught. But anybody could approach Rabbi Nachman's teachings, study them. Anybody. You have background. You don't have any background. It doesn't matter. The teachings are there and you'll be able to attach yourself and internalize those teachings to make a better life than what you're going through now.
1: And you you feel that that's the uniqueness of Breslov
0: Very unique. Amazing. People study Rebbe Nachman. My life has changed.
1: Right.
0: Study it, but you have to study it. There's a you know, a condition attached. You have to study it. You can't just say, I'm a wrestler. That doesn't work. What works is you study. You learn, you understand, and you internalize what you studied.
1: Terrific. If there's one thing that you can bring back from your childhood, what would it be? We're in a new generation today. We have many, many, many changes to our society. What would you want to bring back from from years ago?
0: Being normal. Being normal, right? I read once that teachers in the 1950s, what was the thing that annoyed them the most? When the kids would chew gum in the hallway, right? That's what annoyed teachers most in the 1950s. When I was in school. Today, I think the teachers would say when they don't bring a knife and kill me. I, very different. It was a different kind of life. It was like it was right after the war. People were trying to have a good life. And I would imagine that's what it is. Today, there's nothing normal in the world. Nothing normal. All right.
1: Where uh, where were your parents from?
0: My parents were born in America.
1: Wow. and, right? and My father were th-
0: in Boston, my mother in New York.
1: And where were their families from originally?
0: From Lithuania, from Belarus, and from
1: Galicia. And what did your father do?
0: My father was a salesman in textiles. He was very successful, except that he passed away in 1952. When I was seven.
1: Wow. How many siblings were you?
0: Four. Elder sister, two younger brothers.
1: Outstanding. So, hey, it was a very difficult... uh...
0: Yeah. It was very difficult for my mother. I remember a lot of her friends, how supportive they were. And I thank Hashem till today that she has such good friends. My father, Allah Shalom, has very good friends. They looked in on my mother and they took care of us. They helped out that's what a Jew is you help the others that's what a Jew is
1: helping others so one of the themes we try to do in these uh, special Sunday editions is we ask our our guests you see I I have a little bit of a, a a pain I'm not unique in this but that the Holocaust hasn't become enough of a message for our children It hasn't become an important enough emphasis. It's like my grandmothers were both survivors. My grandfather was a survivor uh, from my, my maternal grandfather. And they never wanted to talk about it. And our children today, you ask them what the Holocaust was. I don't know that many of them would be able to tell you in great detail about it. And I feel that it's important for a number of reasons. But what do you think is the most important thing for our children to know about what happened and why?
0: I grew up, I was uh, my young age and teens. After the Holocaust, I had met survivors. So I was always impressed by them, how they survived and whatnot. I learned a lot about the Holocaust. I read a lot about it. That was me at that time. All right? Today, I will say two things about the Holocaust. One, don't make any mistake. The Holocaust was not the only Holocaust in Jewish history. There was the destruction of the temple. There was the Spanish Inquisition. There were the Crusaders. They wiped out full communities. In France and Germany, when they went on the Crusades, Chmelnitsky was a Polish peasant who rose up against the Polish nobility in the 1640s. And he wiped out half a million Jews from eastern Ukraine until near the borders of Prussia throughout the whole place. The Holocaust was only one. It was the most recent. And it was on the larger scale. No question about it. What it means is that anti-Semitism is always alive and well. It was a little quiet after the war. People saw the destruction. So uh, they were a little quiet. But today, it's rampant all over the world. Right? Anyone who thinks it can't happen again... That's what they said in Germany in the 1920s and 30s. And it did happen. So the thing is that, understand, as a Jew, you are very special. You are Hashem's chosen people. Hashem loves you. Hashem wants you. And people always ask me, where was God during the Holocaust? Right? Where was he? How did he let it happen? Well, it happened before, as I just mentioned. But aside from that, if you read the Chumash, you read Deuteronomy, Dvorim, Perich 28, chapter 28, God was exactly where he said he would be if we don't observe what Judaism is all about. If we don't follow what Judaism is, right, these terrible things will befall us. Look what's happening now in Israel. It was quiet for a while. The Arabs are going crazy. They're going crazy. Every other day, there's some other incident. Why? What bothers them? They never had it so good. They never had it so good under Hussein, under whoever they had before, the Mufti. They have it good now. But they have to kill. We're Jewish, anti-Semitism. The Holocaust is something you're not allowed to forget because as we say in the Haggadah on the night of Pesach, it's not only then they wanted to wipe us out. It's every generation they want to wipe us out. And Hashem saves us. Hashem saves the remnants. Rabbi Herzog, rabbi Isaac Herzog was the chief rabbi of Israel in the late 19, in 1940s. And he was an Irish citizen. And uh, the British, when they were leaving, They said to Rabbi Herzog, come with us. You're a British citizen. Come with us. You'll be safe with us. Rabbi Herzog answered, the Bible speaks about two exiles, not a third. If it comes to us now, this is where we are. This is the Jewish nation. This is the place for Jews Eretz Israel, to be in Eretz Israel, this is the place for all of us, and this is our salvation. Chavetz Chaim said before the war, it was very dangerous in Europe, he passed away in 1933, before the Holocaust started, but he did say, In the Mount Zion there will be salvation, which means Eretz Israel. Eretz Israel is the place now for all the Jews to come back. It's part of the ingathering of the exiles. The prophets all speak about the rebuilding of Eretz Israel even before Moshiach comes. Certainly when Moshiach comes, but even before. It speaks about the people returning, all the prophets. Look in the books of prophets. Study. It's our land. It's our place. It's where we should be. If anything, the Holocaust taught us is that our place is not among the nations. It's time to come home.
1: Come. Amazing. Thank you. I have a, another important question that I really need your your uh, opinion on, especially because you, you taught in Yeshiva, Dvar Yushalayim, and I'm sure you've met many people who were new to Shabbos, to the observance of Shabbos, I believe, I'm a firm believer, that there are many, many of our listeners out there who would love to pursue Shabbos and they would love to become Shabbat observant. They would like to take on Shabbos. But from living a life that they've lived their whole life, which was one way, to now being introduced to Shabbos, my question to you, Rabbi Kramer, is what would you tell somebody about Shabbos to inspire them to take that step?
0: I say it with a joke.
1: You say, Uh, however, yeah, definitely.
0: In the 1960s, there used to be a commercial for Alka-Seltzer. All right? The commercial was the guy sitting on his bed. He has a lot of chest pains from the uh, gas. And he says, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. And he's repeating this again and again. His wife says, "You ate it, Ralph. You ate it. Here, try some Alka-Seltzer." He tried the Alka-Seltzer. She said, "Did it work?" I she drink it. I drank the whole thing. Right? Why? Because try it, you'll like it. That's the way the advertisement ended. Try it, you'll like it. I have a friends, a couple in Los Angeles. And um, they weren't religious. And someone told them about Shabbos. They said, let's try it. Let's try what it means not to work publicly. Let's try what it means. Excuse me. Let's try what it means to have Shabbos meals with family Sit around the table, talk and discuss Shabbos morning. Try it; you'll like it. Right? There's a certain menucha. Menucha means rest. Tranquility is a better word for it. Right? There's a certain tranquility that comes with Shabbos, where you're divorced from all the things that take place during the world, during the week. Cell phone. Did you ever try shutting the cell phone for 25 hours? Right? You ever realize what kind of peace you can get? No cell phone. No computer. No rushing to the store to pick up something. Shabbos. Rest. Divorce yourself from all the things that occupy yourself and your mind the whole week. Divorce yourself from it. Take a, a chance at trying to enjoy something that's otherworldly. It's not from this world, but it's otherworldly. It's a different kind of attitude, a different kind of goal, a different kind of understanding that the human being was created for greater things than just rushing about and texting and uh, checking the, uh, the mouse and the, yeah, we're better than that. We have a mind. We have a heart. Try and feed them too, not just the ideals that seem to be the world around us. That's what I would say.
1: Beautiful. And I just, I want to ask, what do you feel today is the most important thing for the Jewish people to know? The most important thing, all Jews, all around the world, you have Jews, like you said, in Sao Paulo and in, in, in Canada, Madagascar. in the United States, Madagascar, in everywhere, they're all over the planet. They all have access to this podcast and hopefully they'll be listening to this podcast. What's the one message that Rabbi Kramer needs to tell them all?
0: Rabbi Nachman stresses faith, faith. Rabbi Noson of Breslov explains that faith is like a four-legged chair. You have to have faith in God. You have to have faith in the Torah as a Jew. It's what made us a nation. You have to have faith in the leaders, the true leaders of Israel, right? Not Henry Kissinger, not Binyamin Netanyahu, not Yair Lapid, not all the people that claim to be leaders, but people who lead the Jewish people on a correct path, not a politically motivated path. But Reb says and explains that that's a three-legged cheer what's the fourth leg he says it's faith in yourself that's what Nelson explains you have to have faith in yourself that you are a cut above the others that you have unique characteristics that only you possess the other guy doesn't have it and we're not clones Believe in yourself that you have something special inside and you can develop it and you can be a great person unto yourself. You don't have to follow the crowd, right? You don't have to be involved in those kind of things. You have to be able to believe in yourself that you are a great human being. You have what to offer others And more so, you have what to offer yourself. Take hold of your life. Take hold of yourself. Don't let yourself indulge in foolishness. And you'll really begin to realize what a special human being you are. That's what I could offer.
1: Fabulous. I have one more question, though. What's your favorite book that you wrote? I know you wrote over eighty books already, which are translated in multiple languages. Eighty books, correct?
0: Well, I didn't write eighty. We have um, a staff. Uh, uh, I wrote about
1: thirty. But uh, you have translated also a yeah, whole.
0: The Kutan Maran.
1: So, which one is your favorite production?
0: It's hard for me to say because each one, on its own, at the time I was doing it. For example, uh, in the early 1990s. We had a prime minister in Israel, Yitzhak Rabin. Yeah, he meant very well. And he had sacrificed as a soldier for the people. Mm-hmm. But when he was prime minister, he was talking about giving parts of Israel away to the Arabs. And I heard this on the 7 o'clock morning news. They used to have English news at 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I heard it, and I became horrified. How could you do something like that? So I wrote a book, This Land is My Land. That's the only way I can counter. I'm not a politician. I have nothing to do with that. But you can't give away the land that doesn't belong to you to give it away to the Arabs. That was my favorite at that time. But then I had a book, Anatomy of the Soul, which hit me that Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Nosson speak about all the different parts of the body. Now, We know what our fingers and arms and legs can do. We know what our eyes and ears and so on. But what are the spiritual connotations? The body is, after all, only a cloak for the soul. What is in my soul? So I explained what the power, what the spiritual powers of every person that he has within himself to make a beautiful life for himself. So that was my favorite at that time. But I would have to say probably that the uh, biography of Rav Nusson of Breslev Through Fire and Water, was my favorite. Why? Because, I mean, I took about a year to mark off all the places in Breslav literature which Rebnosen went through. Then when it came to writing the book, it's some six hundred pages, but I wrote it in three months. I wrote it because I would get up in the morning and I ended up spending a whole day living with Rebnoson of Breslov. And it was the most awesome experience. So, I would have to say that's probably my favorite. Okay?
1: Outstanding. So, where where can people find you online? Where can people find these books?
0: We have a website. Breslov.org. E-R-E-S-L-O-V dot O-R-G.
1: And all the books are available there?
0: All the books. There's a bookstore on it. And there's, there's different ways that we have different classes on it. And, and if
1: people want to reach out to you directly, is there a way for them to reach you directly and reach out to you?
0: Well, most of the time I give the uh, email info at breastlive research at INFO at breastlive.org. But if you're pushing me, my private email is Chaim K C H A I M K at org. Right? And just don't bother me with idiotic ideas. Otherwise, you're welcome to send any question. I'll do my best to answer you within a few days.
1: Alright. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Kramer. We're we're honored and privileged that you're here at the Torch Center, that you're here in Houston, and Bezas Hashem. God willing, tonight you'll be speaking for us in our shul, and we're we're so excited and uh, and thrilled. And I hope you enjoy. And I've definitely been enlightened through the uh, through this uh, interview. And I hope that uh, everyone, all of our listeners, will be inspired as well. Well, so. we
0: all depend on the guy upstairs. I hope he sends me the right words.
1: Amen. Thank Bezos you, Hashem. Hashem. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Kramer. Thank you, Hashem. And uh, have a safe trip back to Israel. I know you're going back Thank tomorrow you. morning. Yeah. Everything should go with tremendous hatzlacha, tremendous success.
0: Hashem. Thank you very Thank much you. for the time to be able to express a little bit about Rabbi
1: Nachman. Thank it's you.
0: drop in the ocean, but a little bit.
1: All right, we'll hear more tonight. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org. Because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.